Guys, we're going to have a great episode today. Before we get into that, I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for all the support that you get. I want to remind you that you can reach out to me on Instagram. If you don't follow, follow it at jscottoutdoors. Uh, feel free to send me a DM. I love uh, corresponding with you guys about your hunts and any questions that you might have. Uh, we're going to have a great episode. I also want to thank uh, the sponsors of this podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson, my friend of 20 plus years, he's the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager over there at GoHunt.com at the gear shop. Uh, You can reach out directly uh, for info or for sales at 702-847-8747. You can also email him at optics at GoHunt.com. He also uh, gets texts from uh, my listeners at on his cell phone, 602-399-3699. Feel free to send him a text if you're looking for a certain tripod or binocular or spotting scope or rifle scope, anything to do with optics. Uh, give Cody Nelson a call or a text. I want to thank GoHunt.com also and remind you guys that the GoHunt maps, the mobile app, um, mapping apps, are now available on iTunes and Android. Uh, they have real 3D. Um, it's awesome, awesome 3D mapping on these mobile apps. Uh, you can get a free trial, a seven-day free trial, by going to gohunt.com forward slash jscott. You can also check in the show notes. I'll have it linked up. You get a seven-day free trial. That gives you access to everything in the Insider as well as uh, g- let you look at the, the mapping apps uh, both on the desktop and on your phone. Uh, you can also sign up. Uh, by going to GoHunt.com and just use J. Scott, and that's going to save you $50. Uh, you're actually going to get a GoHunt gift card, $50 GoHunt gift card when you sign up. So go check it out. also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. Go to K-U-I-U-Kuyu.com uh, to order the gear right there that are direct-to-consumer model. Uh, so that's the only place you can get the gear, as well as phonescope.com. Use the jscott21 promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, guys, let's get right to this episode, and again, thanks for listening. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I've got Ben Brochu of Shadow Valley Outfitters on the line. Ben, how are you? I'm great. How about you, Jay? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this fall season, but we've got a little bit of business to take care of with the applications coming up here on uh, June 14th, where the window is is slowly closing in. And I wanted to get you on the podcast to uh, talk about uh, primarily coos deer because you're a coos deer fanatic uh, down there in southern Arizona and some of the central Arizona units. Uh, and just go over um, your thoughts on the forecast and how things are going to be looking for this upcoming uh, season. So why don't we go ahead and dive right into that? But before we do that, um, you you have a background uh, working with the Arizona Game and Fish Department. We've talked about that before on other podcasts. Um, now you've transitioned. I believe you're a fireman, right? That's correct, yeah. Let's use on fire. Yep, and uh, also, obviously, a, a full-time guide. Um, but how has worked, having worked with the department kind of helped you as far as being an outfitter and being able to understand, you know, how the department works and how they do some of their tags and their surveys? You've been on a bunch of surveys and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, 
it's been great. I mean, it's having, you know, I've got my degree in, in wildlife ecology from the U of A, the better school in the state. And, uh, <laughs> That's debatable. <laughs> Every year we have to roll around in the dirt about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so having the degree and then also having worked for the department, I worked for the department for 14 years in various different capacities. Uh, I was a game warden for 11 and uh, was involved in all the, you know, hunt recommendation process, survey process, um, everything. And, and so having that background has really helped, one, see what happens, you know, on the ground from a, a survey uh, effort to how that influences tag numbers and things like that, and then how the seasons are um, made up and, and what goes into the whole process. Um, and I think probably one of the most beneficial things has just been learning actually how the draw works. And I think that would be, that's one thing that I would suggest to folks is look in the regulations and really understand how that draw works. A lot of people think that you have five equal choices and, you know, that's not the case. So um, there was always a joke going around when I worked for the department that, you know, game and fish employees got more tags than Joe Public. And that was only true because people actually understood how the draw worked versus a lot of, you know, people still don't understand what it takes to draw tags and how they should be structuring their application and so on and so forth. So, yeah. And I know you um, like to talk to hunters and help them with that. So if anybody's listening out there and wants to go on a good hunt, uh, you can talk to Ben about how that draw works if you're not crystal clear and he can kind of help you with uh, your choices. Uh, Ben, one of the things I like about what you guys do at Shadow Valley is you kind of categorize your hunts and make it pretty clear. It's not like you're you're hiding or, or, or you know, hiding where you're going to go hunt. You pretty much say mm-hmm. these are the, you know, top five or top five, six, seven, eight units that we like, and this is why we like them. This is the specific hunt, you know, time frame for this unit or that unit. Um, so what I figured we would do um, today is just kind of go through your list of the units that you guys like. Um, you have a great uh, group of guides, uh, some of which I know really well, um, and just a great core group. Um, so let's just go ahead and I'll kind of give you the floor and, and we'll kind of let you dive into those specific units that you guys prefer. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, and I tried to change it up a little bit this year. And, and uh, when we put forth the the document you're referencing that kind of shows the top picks and you know, and then how many points are required for non-residents to draw uh, some of the trophy December hunts versus what hunts people, especially non-residents, can draw with, you know, literally zero points. I tried to go into it this year different in that rather than listing a, a, a top 10 numbers, one you know, one through five and one through 10, just to give an overall top 10 units, because it really depends in, in part of what we try and do with folks, not only with coaster hunts, but around the state with all types of hunts um, is try and match up the actual hunt with people's expectations and physical abilities. And, you know, what I've found in the last few years is we've got some folks, um, especially some non-resident folks with, with a lot of bonus points that are looking to hunt coos deer and, uh, and they're not as physically capable as they used to be. Um, and so we can recommend units that they can still have a great hunt, see lots of deer, have great potential for uh, uh, harvesting a you know trophy-quality animal, whereas there are some other hunts too that, you know, honestly, 
they have no business hunting in just because of the physical limitation of some of those. So sure. we try and, and provide that individualized kind of one-on-one um, uh, application like consultation kind of? Correct, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all type thing. And we try to build a hunt and an application to, to, to match the hunter and where they're at with bonus points and so on and so forth. So um, that's in, in looking at the list, you know, that's where I tried to highlight the units that are more physical so that people, if they choose to put in for those, they know what to expect and what um, and maybe what's expected out of them as well. So good stuff. Um, you know, in, in regards to some of the units, like, uh, the, the kind of top 10 that I listed, um, are 6A, 23, 27, 29, 31, 33, 34A, 36A, B, and C. And granted, there's a lot of units, both in central and southern Arizona, that, um, will produce trophy quality deer. So don't, don't think this is, you know, it's, it's an all or nothing. Um, you can kill a trophy quality deer out of any unit in Arizona. Um, these are just kind of our picks for a number of reasons, especially just um, kind of looking at it across the board. Uh, these are units that kind of check a number of different boxes for folks. So um, let's just go through to... each one. Let's just, you started, I believe, with 6A. Yeah. <clears throat> Talk a little um, bit about 6A. So 6A is a unit that uh, it, it, it's starting to produce a lot of great deer. It has been producing some great deer, but it's one of those where, you know, those central Arizona units, you get a chance for not only some of those kind of forest uh, Arizona chaparral type bucks that live in these super heavy forested areas, and then they come out of the woodwork during the rut time. Um, before, uh, prior to the rut, sometimes these deer aren't even visible a lot of the times. And that's part of the reason why they're, you know, they're growing so large. Um, 6A's got a mix of both easier to hunt and harder to hunt type countries, some big canyons and such, and also some, you know, some more open type type terrain. So Very pockety um, though. Wouldn't you agree that 6A is one of those units that you could go a long ways and not see it? And then all of a sudden you've got a pocket yep. and then you go a ways, you don't see deer and then boom, you've got another pocket. It's it's, it's not something that, you know, where Southern Arizona, you pretty much can go anywhere in the units and see whitetail. And yep. in 6A, it's, it's real pockety. It's a big unit. Um, but that lends itself to producing some big bucks because of it being pockety, correct? Absolutely, yeah. And the same thing, 6A, you know, they've got a late hunt in 6B and 8 also and very, very pockety. You know, I mean, you could go, you could go days without seeing a deer sometimes. Um, but uh, you have potential for finding a giant too sometimes. So, um, and part of that, you know, we've tried to, uh, Pat and Bob and I in, in, in running the company, we've tried to bring folks on and diversify so that we've got, we've got good people that cover all these different units and specialize in those units. Um, so we've got coverage in all, you know, every unit in the state, we've got good guides that, that know each unit well, um, and uh and we try and match those hunters with those guides in those units we'll never put a you know a hunter with a a guide who doesn't know that unit whatsoever so sure um i think the but, next uh, unit you mentioned was 23 um yeah. talk up a little bit about 23. yeah 23 is one of those similar to 6a you've got some parts that uh 
you can have deer very, very pockety, um, and then some of the southern country that it's more open and, and you can see more deer. Um, 23 has always produced some giant trophy quality deer, but that's a unit, generally speaking, that is more physical um, and that you may go a long time without seeing deer or the number of deer you're going to see are, are generally lower than like a southern Arizona unit. And uh, again, 23 generally, you know, a lot of these forested areas that, uh, that these big bucks can get some age and growth, you know, during the, the rut, they come out of the woodwork and are more visible and and you know that's where hunters have the opportunity so um know that uh, we had a hunter last year that had no idea that he was going to be getting into kind of snow and things you know we hunted the the last week of december and of course last year in arizona uh during that week which which is the best time to hunt for for late season we had like four storms roll through all back to back so it was it was really tough hunting conditions were the, were the deer running that last week or just starting? they were a little bit they were just starting um up in that country so uh you know and uh, there's a lot of deer that didn't get killed during that late december hunt because of the weather um and, and i would say that's true for all units in the state um people that waited to hunt that last week and and uh the deer were just starting to rut a little bit um but because of the weather a lot of folks threw in the towel so sure um, but, um, I, th I yeah, think the next unit you mentioned there is 27, uh, and it looks like 27 and 28 are combined. That's correct. And that's another unit that, again, big, big country, uh, tremendous trophy potential, but expect to expect for that to be a very physical hunt. Um, I mean, 27 is the, uh, what I would say is probably the most remote country in, in unit in the state in terms of coos deer hunting and and you can literally get away from anyone and everyone in that unit um but just be physically prepared to do that uh 27 is kind of like 23 in that it you know it's got that mix of of kind of upper elevation uh timber ponderosa pine stuff all the way down to lower uh, arizona chaparral um and you can have deer all through all of that country and uh so Big glass, um, picking stuff apart. Uh, you'll have pockets of higher density deer, but then also pockets of low density deer, and you know always chances for great bucks because of just the the terrain um, associated with that that unit. Twenty nine. Uh, is another one we we like a lot because of all the different burns that we've had in various different years. So it produces a lot of different. Uh, different stages of uh, that kind of successional growth of, of vegetation. Um, uh, it's another unit that uh, is physical. There are some not as physical uh, parts of 29, uh, but generally speaking, you know, our preferred style in 29 is kind of a backpack style hunt or something like that where we're, you know, we're doing a more physical type hunt, um, glassing a lot and uh and it a lot of the horseshoe one and two fires that, that we've seen over the last few years and some of the fires since those um have produced a really good uh different levels of vegetation that that are going to grow deer um for years to come and then you know I'll, last year our monsoon season was tremendous so all of southern arizona uh i mean it's looking great right now the forecast is great um again 
Uh, so, yeah. Do you think the, the good monsoon last summer has held over, even though the winter has been fairly dry? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of ground cover out right now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we have some big wildfires this year, especially with some of the storms that are popping up right now. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of ground cover, you know, and, and it's funny cause I actually talked with, uh, I know a ranch really well up in unit 23. I talked with them probably a month ago or so asking about what, what they thought about conditions up there. And he said that it's the wettest that they've ever seen it, um, in decades. Um, despite having been so dry. Um, really? And I think, yeah. And I think it's because of just the, the wet summer we had last year and then the series of storms that we had the last week of December, early January, and then, you know, little shots of, of rain since then in the spring. Um, I think that really just has led to the conditions that he's seeing up there. So, gotcha. um, yeah, so that is kind of interesting news from, from kind of a ranching standpoint. And, and they rent, they ranch a lot of country. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I think they're more uh, a, a better gauge of, you know, terrain and, and, and habitat quality than, than a lot of things that you can read online. I think the next unit you mentioned was uh, 33. Uh, yeah, the next one was 31. Okay, um, the grams. But, yeah, 31, the grams, again, just like 29. Very physical hunt, uh, vertical hunt. Um, uh, it's had a lot of uh, a lot of different fires at different stages. Um, again, very similar to the twenty nine, and that uh, tremendous trophy potential. But expect a very physical hunt. So, you know, if you're an older person with limited mobility, I, I would steer clear of some of these physical type units, and we could turn you on to some more doable units that have equal trophy potential so um but yeah 31 again that's been producing some great deer and will continue to do so as well so now i i don't remember you mentioning 32 i think we jump right to 33 are you kind of shied off on 32 just because of genetics or what you know 32 is one of those it's it's a strange unit in that it does produce some great deer from time to time um and there are some pockets of great deer but even having done a lot of different deer surveys, helicopter surveys and things like that. It's always been a unit, especially with discussion within the game and fish department personnel was, um, why aren't there more deer, you know, and, and what's the reason for that? Whether it's a habitat issue with it being, you know, lack of water or predation issue with lions or what it is. Um, it, it's just one of those units that, that you don't see the deer numbers that you would expect to see um, with the habitat that generally looks really, really good. So, um, yeah, there's some great pockets of deer in 32. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you can kill a great deer, but it, from our standpoint, I wouldn't list it as one of the top 10 type units. Okay, 33. Uh, 33, so 33 is one of the units that over the last couple of years, they've severely cut tags. Um, a couple of years ago, we had the Bighorn Fire, which burned essentially the entire Santa Catalina mountain range. Um, and a lot of that fire, with the exception of country within the CDO basin, uh, was actually a fairly cool fire. It, it did a lot of good for that, uh, for that mountain range. 
what really hurt deer in 33 was the lack of monsoon uh, moisture of right uh, during and after the fire. And then what we saw was a, a die off in anywhere from December through March or so following the fire after the rut when forage quality was so low. And I think it, from my observations and others and, you know, I think they lost close to a third of the, of the, of the herd there. Of uh, deer? With, of deer, yeah. Really? Um, yeah. There were a lot of, a lot of deer lost, a lot of, a lot of folks finding dead deer, um, non-predation type things. And um, I had a hunter that killed a, a deer right toward the latter part of January. And uh, when we caped them out, I mean, zero fat, just they're, you know, they're eating anything and everything just to stay alive. And uh, I think that post rut, you know, where the, the, all the animals are super stressed from the intense rut cycle and stuff like that. I think a lot of them, there, there wasn't the forage quality to sustain them. So, um, and the department reduced tags uh, that year, or that year, and then they did again this year, uh, again slightly. Um, so deer numbers overall are down, uh, but this is a unit that's going to rebound pretty quick, I would guess. In the next two to three years, we're going to see a lot of deer, and in five years, gobs of deer, kind of like what happened back in 02 and 03 when we had the bullock and aspen burns. So, um, but again, with the monsoon that we had last year, the deer that we were seeing, um, you know, great, uh, great antler growth and stuff like that. So, and lots of ground cover up there right now. Um, Good. But this, this is another one of those units that expect a physical hunt. Um, generally speaking, if you want to be successful. Okay, 34A. 34A, uh, we like 34A a lot, and it's it's been producing a lot um, of great deer. Uh, you've got low elevation stuff that's kind of this rolly grassland to oak, Ocotillo country up to, you know, super high elevation. So you can do a very physical hunt in 34A, or you can do a, you know, not as physical type hunt um great deer numbers uh again the monsoon was great last year uh so it, it's one of those top producers that you know we can we can cater a hunt to match your physical ability in 34a and have um, great chances at a trophy quality deer so and then i think you jumped to 36 a b and c yeah 36 is um so 36a uh generally a flatter type hunt and 36a is one of our i would say all these 36s a b and c um if you have someone that has good numbers of bonus points um is not very physical cap physically capable um consider these 36 units because they're um there's areas that are flatter that we can take folks they're going to see gobs of deer which in our experience even if you're not seeing some big deer actually seeing deer sometimes is more is more enjoyable than you know if we were to hunt up in you know maybe some of that eight six b country where it's very pockety and you start to get uh you know clients where hey i'm not even seeing any deer i'm second guessing even hiring an outfitter for this type thing so um we just want folks to go into hunts knowing you know what to expect and things like that but uh 36a yeah, great trophy potential. It's flat enough where you've got you've got a lot of those deer that get out in the flats. Um, they live, they survive, 
they get some age, um, and then once the rut kicks in, then they then they start moving around and become more visible. So, um, yeah, 36A is one of those units that we suggest for folks that, uh, again, uh, wants a great quality hunt and maybe isn't quite as physically capable uh, as they used to be. So, 36B. 36B, uh, similar to 36A, it's got probably more, uh, a little bit more variety in terms of lower elevation stuff and higher elevation stuff. You know, you've got the uh, super high country and the Tumacocris and Atascosas that you can get up really high, hunt some really steep country, and then you can hunt the rollers and stuff between, you know, I-19 and, and the... Uh, the uh the three points sassabee road uh and hunt the really low stuff so um again lots of ocotillos uh you know lots of potential for great deer uh 36b i think right now has the highest number of permits for accused deer in the state um but there's also very high deer density too so um uh, both 36 a b and c you know the border traffic is up uh, over the last year or so, so you know, don't uh, don't be afraid to ask those questions in terms of border traffic and security and stuff like that. And sometimes we build a hunt to avoid those things too, and that that's all explained when we actually talk with hunters. And if we're recommending a specific type of hunting style or something like that, oftentimes it's because of the border traffic. So, thirty-six C. And then 36C, uh, 36C is one we like a lot as well. Uh, for me personally, I like not only the 36C borders Mexico on the south end and then it borders the Tohono O'odham Indian Reservation on the west end. And the, re the reservation really doesn't have over there a, a perfected wildlife management program like some of the other reservations do in the state. Um, so oftentimes what you see is you see some of these giant deer coming over from the reservation and from Mexico as well, uh, running around in 36C. Um, you've got a mix of super low elevation flat country to some really high physical type stuff as well. Um, and, uh, so the 36C has always had some great genetics as all the 36s do. Um, but you also have that just potential for deer coming over from those. You get that source sink kind of um, uh, thing going on where, y you know, you can have those deer that are essentially unhunted and have been able to age and, and grow well coming over from the reservation and, and Mexico. So um, it's, a, it's one of those units that we can, we can build a hunt no matter what anyone's physical capability is in 36C2. Okay, I want to touch on something um, that I think is important. In most of those Southern Arizona units, you have uh, basically a four-season uh, structure. You have a, a four-date season structure. You have October 21st to the 27th, November 4th through the 10th, November 25th through December 4th, and then December 9th through the 31st. Um, I was looking here, and it looks like... I want to point out a couple things. The October hunt, the 21st through the 27th, this year the new moon is on the 25th. So actually that time period in October will be a dark moon. Yep. Tell me how, in your opinion, if, if, it was, if the opposite was true and the 25th was a full moon, 
how much better do you think the new moon is and how much different would it be if it was full moon and and do you think that the it might line up perfect this year to make that october hunt pretty darn good yeah i mean there's certainly that moon phase certainly impacts deer activity and you know and everything else and you know generally during when there's very little moon uh deer are very active first first light in the morning and then last light in the evening um bedding throughout the day you know a brief feeding period midday um so it's you know people go out kind of like hunters always do first thing in the morning they glass generally find deer um during those early morning late evening kind of hours um the when you have a full moon deer are more active at night and oftentimes those deer are still bedded early morning and they don't become active until you know nine or ten o'clock and they're more active a little bit off and on throughout the day feeding early afternoon and then sometimes bedded the last couple hours of, of daylight um what we find a lot of is people people not stay staying out all day and hunting those hours during the full moon um to try and capture deer uh but generally speaking you're going to see more deer activity during um periods when there's no moon versus a full moon um and uh so if you have a chance to to choose a hunt when there's no moon or very little moon i would certainly go that route versus a full moon okay and i look at the next date which is november 4th through the 10th it's full on the 8th so that would be hunting when the moon is bright so you would just as a guide you would just change your tactics to not being discouraged at first light and last light but really focus on that midday movement when they're going to be up all night they're going to be bedded at first light for the first couple hours you just kind of change your tactic um you you are saying that yes you'll see probably more deer in a new moon phase but as a guide, it doesn't bother you as much because you just understand what those deer are going to be doing. And so you're in a full moon phase like that, November 4th through the 10th, you're going to focus more midday and catch those bucks up, you know, feeding and, and standing on their feet during the day, right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we would change our styles a little bit and just reaffirm people, you know, the clients and stuff that um, during those full moon periods, you know, not to get discouraged the first hour or two of light, you know and, and just keep glassing and stay focused and um because you know deer have to feed all the animals have to feed they're just going to change up their patterns and 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 their behaviors a bit because of how active they are at night um but they do feed during the day um they might not be as active during the day but looking in those little pockets where deer typically hide out and prefer you know and that's one of those things with having that that knowledge and, and experience of, of where to look and, and how to pick it apart is very helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're going to hunt, we're going to hunt with every hunt, whatever people draw and, and go from there. But um, there's different, different ways that we hunt things and, and different uh, styles and glassing styles we use and so on and so forth. So sure. I look at that third hunt date, November 25th through December 4th. It's a new moon on the 23rd, so those look like pretty good dates. And then if you take the final hunt, December 9th through the 31st, it's full on the 9th. So anyone that draws that uh, late tag, just kind of expect probably the first weekend to be a little bit um, slower. Um, but then as that hunt goes on, um, it should get better and better with that, with that moon phase 
uh, with the moon being full on, on January 6th. So um, you're going to get some good dark days. The, you know, the last 10 days of that hunt are going to be pretty darn good on that late December hunt. Yeah, for sure. And we always, you know, folks that draw the December hunts, the, the best time to hunt is going to be that last week of the year um, when deer have the best chance of being in the rut. Um, if you can't hunt that last week, then hunt the week immediately before Christmas if possible. Um, and yeah, exactly what you said that those line up perfectly with, with the moon phase. Um, you know, and for folks that, I mean, there's a lot of different resources to look at moon phases. Um, Epic Outdoors, they put, put a magazine out and I think it's on page like four or five, um, every, on all their, uh, all their, uh, uh, their magazine, um, printings they have the the moon phase for that year which is very helpful so okay i also want to talk about um i appreciate your time but i want to finish here on your season success last year um and i also want you to touch on the archery hunts um the august and december archery hunts coming up yeah um so last year we hit from a coos deer standpoint um we had a great year. We killed some great deer. I think the biggest we killed was 120, 122, um, and that was one of the 36 units, uh, but killed a bunch of, you know, great, great over 100-inch type deer. Um, the biggest mule deer we killed last year, actually, believe it or not, was in southern Arizona, and uh, so, and that's, again, that, that, super wet monsoon that we had last year um, did tremendous things for that kind of central and southern Arizona deer populations um, with antler growth and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, even if you're a mule deer hunter, I wouldn't overlook, depending on how many points you have, I wouldn't overlook some of those southern Arizona mule deer units as, as possibilities. Um, and then in going into, let's say you you're in that um in that position where you're trying to build bonus points but you're considering archery over the counter type hunts uh they arizona changed a lot of things this year where they're having kind of like we do with our bear hunts a uh, a threshold based um harvest limit for each unit um so some units they're going to open back in august and september some units won't open until december if you're if you're interested in hunting archery deer otc i would talk with someone and, and just understand how that's going to work um know which which weeks that you're guaranteed to hunt and which uh could be a little bit uncertain i guess um you know the january hunting opportunity in arizona there's a lot of uncertainty because that's the last week or the last season rather of uh of that whole harvest threshold based system so if, if you get a unit that, let's say, has a 30-deer, mule-deer harvest, and they meet that in by December, January hunting in that unit is going to be closed. Um, so we, as we uh, field uh, phone calls from folks and things like that, we just explain things, and you know we may be moving camps, and there's going to be maybe some uncertainty in January uh, where we set up our camp location because of those units and so on and so forth. Um, generally speaking, I think a lot of the harvest thresholds uh, kind of coincide with 
historical harvest in those units. So uh, I don't know how many of these units may close, but the unknown part of it is how much demand it's going to it's going to create, uh, especially units, from right. Yeah, yep. Um, and from residents going out, you know, now you're going to have potentially residents going out and uh, if they don't draw a gear tag going out and hunting archery deer in December, you know, and looking for maybe a meat buck or something like that. So um, a lot of unknown this year. Um, but uh, I mean, that uh, that OTC hunt in Arizona, especially in December and January, I mean, that's a that's a tremendous opportunity, especially for coos deer, you know, in the rut. And I don't think Tuesday is really going to be impacted a whole lot with the threshold-based harvests in most units. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of exciting opportunities, but some unknown with OTC stuff too. Ben, I want to uh, thank you for coming on and spending your time with us. I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how to reach out to you, uh, get any last-minute advice on units and what have you. Um, so why don't you do that now? And just thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. I, I really appreciate it, Jay. And uh, uh, again, my name is Ben Brochu, um, uh, co-owner of Shadow Valley Outfitters with Pat McCarty and Bob Dykeman. Uh, if you're interested in any type of uh, guided hunt or just chatting with, with it, one of us about hunting opportunities in Arizona, um, we do all species from the Strip, Kaibab, all the way down to Coos Deer in southern Arizona, everything in between. Uh, we've got our website. We've got social media sites that you can check out. Um, all of our contact information is is uh, readily available on all those sites. Um, you know, give us a call if you want to chat. Uh, you know, and if you're a coos deer hunter, um, I would say or interested in hunting coos deer, you don't have to. You can draw tags with very few bonus points um, and quality tags, and have great chances at harvesting trophy quality animals. So it's one of those things that, um, you know, you can hunt almost as often as you want from a non-resident standpoint. So uh, give us a holler anytime. Um, again, from a, an outlook this year, we expect some really good things. Uh, the outlook for the monsoon is great. Um, as of right now, we'll see what actually happens with that. Um, but uh, again, thanks, Jay, and we appreciate it. And um, hopefully we have a great year. Right on, buddy. God bless. Take care, okay? Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. All right.